In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. As you know, Voice of Islam Radio is broadcasting from the biggest mosque of the UK, the Battle of Two Mosques. And Voice of Islam Radio is also presenting the true meaning of Islam here in the West. You're listening to another episode of Breakfast Show. And dear listeners, if you are already in your workplace or if you are driving, make sure while listening to Voice of Islam that you keep your eyes on the street. And I'm going to do everything to keep this show very interesting. My name is Shahmi Ahmed, and I'm joined with Nafiz Kamar. Nafiz Kamar, good morning, and Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum salam, and a very good morning to you too. Thank you. Dear listeners, basically, it is a very special uh, show for both of us because the first time we both are presenting together. So, Nafiz, I know you very well, but is there any super ability you have you have never mentioned in front of me or never sh- showed me you want to tell me about it now actually um i haven't been presenting for a long time so i am not um as uh, as of an expert as probably um other crow presenters that you probably have been with but so fingers crossed and uh, prayers is what i need the most yeah that's that's what everyone of us needs because dear listeners this community is blessed by Allah, by God, the Almighty. So everything we do is done by the voluntary people, members of this community. Uh, dear listeners, um, I hope you had a pleasant morning. I had. And I hope you enjoyed your coffee, tea, your breakfast as well. Um, we're going to make sure that you also enjoy the show today because we have prepared some very interesting segments. Am I right, Nafis? Absolutely. Uh, that's um, absolutely right. In our first segment... Uh, we will be discussing, we'll be looking at uh, the Thames water that it's been fined once again over discharging millions of litres undiluted uh, sewage back into Gatwick stream, which has caused about a thousand fish to suffer. And we're going to look at various different um, angles and points discussing uh, how the sewage system actually works in the first place and what advantages and uh, disadvantages does it, uh, does the current system have um a lot of people be wondering how it impacts the environment so we'll definitely be looking into that and uh, what actions can we take as individuals or as a society uh, to be more environmentally friendly um most of all uh, as our most of our listeners would know we most importantly will be looking into the islamic angle and what teachings islam has given with regards to this and the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, similarly, our second segment will be um, also very interesting and uh, the title is How Does One Keep One of Our Most Mysterious Organs Healthy? Mm, so, yeah, so the gist of the story of the second one is really is about the brain and the brain's health and how we can keep it healthy. Uh, we will be looking into what your what your brain actually does and uh, why is it important to keep it healthy and what are the consequences of neglecting it and uh, a lot of people would be wondering how do you actually keep it healthy uh, and can and some people might even be surprised with this that games can improve its health and what games um, with regards to that would be good and once again most importantly uh, we would be looking into the Islamic angle and the teachings that Islam has given with regards to uh, this subject, um, just like all other yeah. subjects. 
Elizabeth, as I promised, we have prepared some interesting show with you. We have two very interesting segments. And if you want to be a part of the Voice of Islam show, you can do any time. You can call in. The number is 028-0286-877-878. Or you can tweet it at Voice of Islam UK. Let me know what guidance will you give. How can we make sure? How can we help our environment? Or, or what is the best activity you can do to stay healthy? Let me know. Be a part of the Voice of Islam show. Be a part of the Bakefield show. Meanwhile, before we start, before we start with the first segment, uh, shall we look at the weather today? Uh, yes, today uh, yes, absolutely. Yep. It's saying that today, uh, today it will start uh, cloudy with showers in the far north and isolated showers elsewhere. And in the afternoon, scattered showers will widely develop across the UK, these easing off in the evening. And tonight, the listeners, showers will linger in the far north. The rest of the UK will become mostly dry with clear skies, but cloud and patchy rain will move into northwestern areas towards dawn. So, dear listeners living in the north, make sure you have your umbrella prepared for today and tomorrow. Friday, increasingly cloudy to start tomorrow with showers in the north and spells of rain moving from the west into northern Ireland in the afternoon. Sunny spells are mostly dry in the south. And on the weekend, Sunday will be a wet day with spells of heavy persistence rain moving in from the west. The far north will escape mostly dry. However, breezy spell of rain will linger in the north. And Sunday, will, while southern and central areas will see heavy and thundery showers developing. Now, this is very um, important for us as well, living here in uh, London. As I said, you listeners, have your umbrella prepared. It's going to be very, very, um, very, the weekend's going to be very wet for well, the uh, most of the north, but also in the south. Um, Nafis, uh, what is your favorite uh, weather anyway? Yeah, the weather has been actually very interesting recently. It was uh, very, very hot recently in the last few weeks, and people were hoping for some colder weather, uh, some are you, showers. Are you talking about, or are you talking about like Europe, like Italy, where I've known it's very hot? I, I'm generally talking about all of Europe, including the UK, because we've had a slightly hot, hotter um, summer compared to previous years. And uh, some countries, especially in Europe, uh, I think people, in fact, were suffering. That's how hot it was. But it, it seems good that there's some showers and it's cooling down and there's some sense of a balance in the weather. Interesting, because you know what, Nafiz, I haven't felt the heat yet. To be honest, because you know, normally in these months, my skin would be would become a bit darker. But yes, it's still the same. I haven't changed yet. Yes, yes, uh, you're and, absolutely right. This is actually um, you're very quite right here that in mid July you expect it to be extremely hot. Um, in the morning, as I was coming to the studio, I actually had to put on my um, uh, jacket. It wasn't warm at all. It wasn't hot at all. There was a slight sense of you know a cold breeze. So yeah, it it has been very interesting this year, very different. We were waiting for the heat. We were waiting, but yes, my parents are coming from Germany over, and they are looking for this way relaxed weather of the UK because in Germany they said it's very hot. I heard about Italy. Um, the weather's quite hot over there as well, and in Greece, Spain as well. Um, we are lucky to live here, to be honest. Uh, to, um, let's see. Uh, it is sad that next month we will see some hot weather here in the UK as well. Uh, most important is that 
bring all the water. At least two liters a day. This means the whole water, because water is very important. Um, Navis, you know what? I'm basically, I've seen that I used to be um, very addicted to these fizzy uh, drinks. Mm-hmm. But now, since I started water, I'm not thinking about these fizzy drinks. Which is very good, actually. Um, because I always thought that fizzy drinks having so much sugar must be really um, dangerous for the body as well. But since I started drinking water, I feel healthier and much more active as well. I think um, it is sad that whatever you eat, it, uh, it has an impact on your body as well. Absolutely, yep. You're absolutely right. In fact, I was recently uh, watching one of these doctors on YouTube. And it's quite interesting what he said is that, that if, if you stop uh, having sugar or if you cut down on sugar just within 10 days uh, you'll see a complete change in your body and starting from your face how you would look the extra fat will just completely vanish will fall off to the rest of your body uh, you will feel more active more healthy and so on and so forth and um, your brain will be much sharper you'll be more attentive and um, having tried that exactly those results came out and this is about um, a month ago uh, and obviously it's very hard because we, we in, I guess in our childhood, we grew up having uh, probably the most amount of sweets compared to any other generation. But yeah, uh, but um, yeah, it, is, it is difficult, but it is very rewarding. And it also shows you how we have become so addicted to sweets and chocolates and desserts and uh, whatnot. And we don't actually realize how bad uh, this it is, this is for our health. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is that um, even if I try to a- avoid sugar nowadays and everything that is spit sugar, like even in bread or yogurt, where you would think that there shouldn't be any sugar, but there is that these things also contain sugar, unfortunately, which is, I said, is very harmful. Mm-hmm. But you are right. One thing I have done, tried to, to do this sugar diet, mm-hmm. which was very helpful. You said it changed your life after 10 days, which is mm-hmm. true. I lost a lot of uh, weight as well, but I felt very healthy as well, very active as well. And then I came back, unfortunately, to that. I won't say I was addicted to sugar, but unfortunately, I tried some sweet as well. And you know what happened? Mm-hmm. When I tried sweet, it felt very strange. The, the smell, the taste was very strange. Mm-hmm, it's absolutely. like I tried the first time again, and I, I don't know, but I didn't like it. It was, yeah. it was like very ugly. and. Uh, even you know the smell was different as well. I, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely, you're absolutely after, right. Yep, because more, more than a month I tried eating sugar again. Yeah. So it has an impact, and if you if you avoid sugar, dear listeners, you see that how much you feel, how much uh, good impact it will have on your body as well. You much more, you feel more active and more healthy as well. Um, Navis, um, the times. Uh, just looking at the times. Um, it's about uh, free speech, right? Mm-hmm. Banks talk, respect free, free speech. Uh, the headline of time is on the follow-up of, of Nigel Farage having his account closed, which he suggests was due to his politic views. A document put together by the bank revealing his suitability as a client mentioned Brexit and his alleged links to Russia. Mm-hmm. Now, he has said, ministers are considering making free speech protection a condition of permits mm-hmm. following the rule. Now, free speech is like, you know, we have heard it many times and people say, yes, there should be free speech as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what I have noticed, okay, free speech is very important, but there should be a limit to this as well. Mm-hmm. Because 
a lot of people have taken free speech for granted and then they have also break the feelings or have played with the feelings of others. For example, I won't name the person's name, but one person who's a leader of a nation, he has portrayed cartoons of the prophecies upon him on the parliament two years ago. And then, three months after that, he was called by someone who, uh, as Hitler, or he was, yes, he was basically said that this leader is basically like Hitler. And now that leader, basically portrayed the cartoons of the Republicans among the parliament, did it because of free speech. Mm-hmm. But as soon as someone calls him as Hitler, he sues that person. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, these peaceful people, even though they speak about free speech, but if it comes to them, they can't handle it. So free speech should have a limit and people should respect uh, the feelings of others. Yes. And I think people who have done something wrong, right? We had Boris Johnson as well, who spoke about very badly about uh, Muslim women, you compare them to uh, letterbox or thief, they should realize their mistake and should apologize as well. And I think people should understand that should be limit should be a limit of free speech mm-hmm. when it comes to hurting of people. Because you know, there's a very beautiful saying of Tory Prophet peace be upon him. He said that give glad tidings but don't say, but don't think anything which hurts people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is as if um, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community he always gives this example: is that free speech is like having a stick in your hand, but where the other person's nose starts, that's where you stop. And that's exactly what um, Islam promotes. Islam does promote free speech, but it also promotes respect at the same time and morality. So um, free speech does come with uh, limitations. I think the Pope as well at one point said that uh, free speech is, in, in, is all well and good and important and everything. But um, if you curse at uh, uh, an individual's uh, parents, then expect to be punched in the face. That's the only expectation you should have in return. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there's some sense of double standards as well in the media. Um, you can see that people happily talk against religion, uh, specifically Islam. And uh, we just recently we had, uh, uh, in, in many countries, people are publicly burning the Quran. And we've recently had an incident in Sweden. But when it comes to talking about certain other agendas or taking down certain other flags which have um, in fact caused a lot of harm to society, their agendas and whatnot, uh, then it's all about, no, it's free speech, you cannot do that. But when it's against Islam, uh, for some reason there's some sense of double standards. So it's again coming back to the example that it's free speech is like having a stick in your hand but you stop where the other person's nose starts. Exactly. Um, Dear listeners, daily express is um, saying that Christ must stop now, nation has fallen. Uh, it's a quote of uh, Mr. Hun, as he's saying, falling figures are the first fruits of the difficult decision he and the Prime Minister have had, have had t- to take to control the rising cost of living. Elsewhere, the paper carries an image of England's lioness, who it says are ready to roar for the Women's World Cup in Australia, with matches starting today. Are you are you um, are you a big fan of football? I'm. Um, I I actually. Do you know what I do? I I don't actually watch most of the football matches. What I am interested in is, is the World Cup international 
football, football, or I would also enjoy watching the Euro Cup. So um, yeah, that, that's 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 my you, my input. You, mu- you must be happy now because the World Cup is starting today in Australia. They're going to be, I think, they're going to be very interesting matches, uh, uh, very enjoyable matches as well. But Nafis, have you heard about today's news or what happened in Australia? No, I haven't actually. Um, go ahead. It's a deadly shooting in Auckland hours before the World Cup, unfortunately. So a shooting has left two people dead, unfortunately, in the centre of Auckland, New Zealand, hours before the city is due to open their FIFA Women's World Cup. Six other people, including police officers, were injured, and the gunman is also dead after the incident. PM Chris Hipkins said the attack was not being seen as an act of terrorism. The tournament, tournament would go ahead as planned, he confirmed, while no political or... Uh, Political motive for the attack had been identified. Police had not realized the threat, and the public could be assured that there was no ongoing risk. The prime minister said, "Yet it did that the gunman had been armed with the pump action shotgun when he arrived at the construction site on Queen Street on Friday morning." The prime minister thanked the brave men and women of the New Zealand police who ran into the gunfire straight into harm's way in order to save the lives of others. These kinds of situations move fast, and the action of those who risk their lives to save others are nothing short of heroic. This reminds me of the very beautiful saying in the Holy Quran mm-hmm. about that who takes the life of someone who has taken the life of the whole mankind. If someone saves the life, it's like he has saved the life of the whole mankind. Yes, absolutely. It's very sad. Yep. But you can see the value of the life which is described in the Holy Quran and the right of you. Yes, absolutely, and our hearts and um, prayers go out to those victims and their families, and may Allah protect them uh, in every way from uh, all such evils. Uh, every single um, individual um, in the world, in fact, may God protect us from all sorts of evil. And um, it also shows, I think, I guess, sadly, these incidents are also a reminder that sometimes these incidents they remind us that how far we have gone from our purpose of life how far we are from our creator mm. god almighty and uh, how how far we have uh, gone from religion and worshiping him so may god enable us to um, understand our duty and also um fulfill our duty in the best way possible towards him and towards mankind. I mean. This is what you just said. It's very interesting and very amazing. Trust me, I like it. Mm-hmm. That we should realize the duty we have towards the Creator and His creation. Mm-hmm. That if you love the Creator, you know this um, bit of saying of the post-caliph of the Muslim community, that if you love the artist, you love this art as well. And if you love the Creator, you will love this creation as well. Mm-hmm. And this is the service we have to do, and this is what you just said. It's very, um, dear listeners, it's amazing what Nafiz just mentioned, and this is something we should realize, because then we realize the value of life as well. Unfortunately, we have seen many, many times that people just come out and lose humanity by killing other people, and this is very sad. It shouldn't happen. Everyone, has, everyone should live without fear. And uh, the only thing, as Nafisa said, we should we can pray for these people as well, for the victims as well. May Allah uh, keep them safe and may Allah give them patience as well. Nafis, anything you want to report? 
Uh, yes, just looking at the, um, I was actually looking at the uh, the times and the and the and the front pages. So banks told to respect free speech in the Times headline on the fallout from Nigel Farage having his account closed at Cots, uh, which he suggests was due to his political views. A document put together by the bank reviewing his sustainability uh, suitability as a client mentioned. Brexit and and his alleged links to Russia. He has said ministers are considering making free speech uh, protections uh, a condition of permits following the row, the paper rights. There's also a report about inflation falling in the UK and heading over to the Daily Mail, uh, the Chancellor uh, Jeremy Hunt is planning an emergency law change over the row and banks found to uh, not protect the free speech of their customers could even lose their license. A sketch by a paper's cartoonist, uh, Jonathan Hugh, uh, depicts someone someone attempting to withdraw money from an ATM machine with the screen showing a warning. Sorry, incorrect political views. Try again. And this is actually uh, in front of me. Uh, if you if you look at the Daily Mail paper, it's actually very very interesting, funny, and also sadly. A bit, a bit sad of an of a of a cartoon that has been drawn. So this, this this individual is trying to get money out of the ATM machine, and it says, "Sorry, uh, incorrect in political views. Try again." So I th- I think that's that's very very interesting. No, it is indeed it is. Um, dear listeners, this is uh, the news we just wanted to present. In front of you, we will start now with the actual show with the first segment. But before we do so, um, I, as I said before, I want to hear your voice on Voice of Islam Radio. Let us know your thoughts. What would you do to save the environment? And what is the best exercise you think to keep yourself healthy and active? The number is 0208-687-787. Or you can tweet it as Voice of Islam UK. Let us know your thoughts. I'll be glad to hear your voice on Voice of Islam Radio. We will go on for a short break. So for for me in 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 my life what I did was I said to um it came to a point in my life where I said I need spirituality. I need to know about, there must be more to life than just working, getting up in the morning, going to work at nine o'clock, coming home at five o'clock, going to bed, waking up the next day and doing the same thing over and over again. There must be more to life than just eating food and taking pleasure from a meal. There must be more to life than drinking a latte and taking pleasure in a latte. And all of these thoughts take you towards spirituality. And when you know spirituality, that is to come to Allah. So, so that was how it started. But then what really, you know, practically for me, what happened was I said to the, the various friends that I had at the time, you know, I believe in, I want to know about God, whether or not God exists. What would you advise me? So I spoke to a Christian. I spoke to a Buddhist. I spoke to a Muslim. I spoke to a, a Hindu a little bit and also to an Ahmadi Muslim as well. And they all gave me the same advice. They all said Allah, we believe in God, we pray, and God answers prayers. Sure. So what was very nice is all the different religions essentially gave the same advice. Right. 
when I did that, then when I prayed, then Allah answered my prayers. Right. And I prayed for the first time genuinely from my heart. And Allah says that whenever the supplicant prays to him, then he answers those prayers. Yeah. And Allah, by the, grace of, by the grace of Allah Almighty, then he answered my prayers and I believed in him for the first time. And from there, I continued those conversations and I said to the Christian, what do you believe? I said to the Muslim, what do you believe? And to the Hindu, the same, and to the Ahmadi Muslim. And essentially, to believe in Islam Ahmadiyyat means you believe in all of Jesus' teachings, all of Krishna's teachings, all of Buddha's teachings, but you have them clarified by the Holy Quran. Right. And then you accept the Prophet or the Imam Mahdi who's been sent by Allah in, in subservience to the Holy Prophet so to, to become an Ahmadi Muslim means that you actually accept everything that all of the others do, but you are the most submissive to Allah because you accept a prophet that has come so recently that to make that decision shows or inshallah it shows to Allah that I'm willing to follow you and not just my culture, not just my society, but I'm willing to accept the one that you've sent in my, in my time, in my generation. Writings of the Promised Messiah, salam. Then arise and repent and win the pleasure of God through good works. Remember that the punishment of wrong beliefs is after death. Being a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim will be determined on the Day of Judgment. But a person who goes beyond the limit and wrongdoing, transgression, disobedience and vice is punished in this life. Such a one cannot escape God's chastisement. So hasten to win God's pleasure and before the dreadful day arrives, namely the day of intensity, of the plague of which the prophets have warned, make your peace with God. He is very benevolent to the one moment of the repentance that melts the heart. He can forgive the sins spread over 70 years. Do not say that repentance is not accepted. Remember that you cannot be saved by your deeds. It is grace that saves and not deeds. Benevolent and merciful Lord, bestow thy grace upon all of us. We are thy servants and have fallen down upon thy threshold. Amen. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Allah. 
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. We will start now for our first segment, which is very interesting. How environmentally friendly are our storage systems? Um, dear listeners, we will talk also about, with, uh, about the Islamic perspective and what Islam says about environmental and why we should keep it clean and why we should look after it. But before we do so, let us know your guidance. What advice would you give? How can we keep our environment safe and clean? The number is 0208687788. Or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Meanwhile, I ask my co-host, Nafiz, can you go again? Can you just tell us the gist of the story? Yes, absolutely. So recently, Thames Water has been fined once again over discharging millions of litres of undiluted sewage back into the Gatwick stream in Sussex and River Mole in Surrey, uh, killing more than a thousand fish. On today's show, so we'll be exploring how uh, one can help improve these sewage systems uh, to make them more environmentally friendly and how we can reduce the risk they have um, to the sea life. So I, um, first and foremost, um, a lot of you must be wondering uh, how the sewage system actually works. Mm-hmm. So, in with regards to that, Thames Water is a major water and wastewater service provider in the UK, serving millions and millions of customers in Greater London uh, and Thames Valley areas. The sewage is transported to treatment facilities operated by water and wastewater service providers treatment process including screening, grit removal, sedimentation and biological treatment are carried out to remove impurities and harmful substances. The purified water or effluent is uh, regularly monitored to meet environmental standards. Effluent is discharged into rivers such as the River Thames or the sea through uh, approved outfalls. Water and wastewater service providers adhere to permit and regulate uh, regulations provided by the Environment Agency or effluent discharge. Continuous monitoring and maintenance are conducted to ensure compliance and uh, prevent system failures. So that's really for those of you who are wondering how the uh, system works. No, I was wondering as well how does it work, but you have just explained it very beautifully. Thanks to you, uh, I know now how the sewage system works. But you know, us, uh, sorry, Nafiz, um, in Islam, we will talk about Islamic perspective as well, but I just want to let the listeners know that the pioneer of looking after the environment was the Holy Prophecies upon it, my regard, in my review as well. Mm-hmm. And this is something, you know, I was looking forward as well, and I'm very grilled to hear this as well. But before we do so, I'm very glad that you just mentioned how this is basically everything works. But there's one thing I want to know now. Um, if, mm-hmm. if you can ask me that question, about the advantages and disadvantages mm-hmm. about our current system. Yep, absolutely. So first of all, looking at the advantages, 
effective waste management uh, the, with regards to the effective waste management sewage systems efficiently collect and transport wastewater and sewage preventing the accumulation of waste and residential areas and maintaining public health and uh, environmental protection uh, with regards to this uh, proper treatment of sewage helps remove harmful substances or pollutants uh, redu reducing the risk of water pollution and protecting ecosystems and uh, aquatic life with regards to public health and hygiene efficient sewage systems contribute to improve sanitation reducing the spread of diseases and improving a healthier living environment for the population with so, basically what you just said is very interesting very important for us as well especially for our health Everything we just said is the advantage we have is that we can have a healthy, uh, clean water, but also healthy health as well as this is basically made for us. Um, you know, as Dolly Parker's opponent said, that the government who is, uh, is basically uh, running the country should be doing everything for people as well. And you know, that's a very beautiful saying of Dolly Parker's opponent that. A tr you know, a leader is the servant of his people, mm -hmm. and uh, this is what basically you know we should realize as well. What world leaders should realize as well that, and we should be thankful to that to li living in a country where they look after our health as well. Uh, Love you. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it, 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 in Islam, you know what I've learned, what I've heard from my parents. Whatever what other people, Islam is a religion, mm -hmm. it's a guidance, right? It's guiding us, it's telling us how to live. But one thing, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace upon him, put so much uh, pressure onto that as well, is about cleaning it. Like, mm -hmm. That cleaning is very important. If you, you know, for, uh, for our listeners in the field, can you just explain why it is so important? What is, what is the problem side of the Ahmadi Muslim community told us about cleaning it? Absolutely, absolutely. So the promised Messiah the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he states that physical cleanliness assists and aids the, in attaining inner purity. And uh -huh. obviously inner purity is uh, the essence of life because once, once um, an individual's heart is pure, that's when he can attain and he can absorb the light of God or the nur of God and have a relationship of with God Almighty, which is the true purpose of um, of 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 one's life, and that this is what the promised Messiah said. That so uh, I just stopped here. So basically, you said you said the important thing. You just said the important thing of uh, of faith is that you should have the light of God. Basically, you should be close to God. So basically, to do that, we should uh, keep ourselves clean. We should take shower. We should make sure that we are basically dressed well, but also very clean as well. Yes. Um, so cleaning is very important in Islamic faith, as you just said, that because this brings us closer to Allah. Am I right? Absolutely, absolutely. 100%, because the obviously physical cleanliness affects the inner cleanliness. And with regards to, uh, I mean, sticking to the topic, the promised Messiah further states, uh, true repentance is conditional upon true cleanliness and purity. It maintains... It's ma it mandates that one eradicates all forms of filth and impurity, otherwise verbal repentance and mere utterance of words is meaningless. So this is actually very, very interesting. And a lot of, um, I would say, clerics and Islamic scholars, what they would do is they would just uh, concentrate on, 
you know, saying istighfar or repentance verbally. Mm-hmm. But the promised mm-hmm. Messiah has made it much more clear and it's actually a much more of a logical understanding in, 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 in accordance with human understanding that you do istighfar, you do repent verbally, but physically it starts from your cleanliness. This is how you, you, you clean your physical dirt, you, you keep clean every day and that will reflect on your heart and it will clean the impurities of the heart and that will enable you to absorb the blessings and the light of God um, Almighty and which will then uh, lead you to ha- have a strong relationship, a strong connection with uh, your Creator Allah the Almighty, which is the purpose of our life, absolutely. Now, this is very interesting, uh, the listeners. I'm sure you have uh, found it very interesting as well because um, we, we think, that, you know, people normally think Islam is just a religion, but with the religion, within reaching Allah, there are certain steps, and one of them is basically cleanliness. And uh, as Masih, uh, sorry, I'm just mixing up your name because Asim is basically main, mostly my goal. Mm-hmm. But let's see, Prophet peace also has said that cleanliness is part of your faith, right? Mm-hmm. This is how he has motivated the companions to look after it as well, looking after the cleanliness as well. Um, Nafis, I know we, uh, you just mentioned a very important thing about from Islamic perspective. Coming back to the, to the service system, mm-hmm. um, how reliable is it? Yes, absolutely. So um, the sewage system provides a convenient and reliable method of the disposal of treatment and wastewater, eliminating the need for individual uh, septic tanks uh, or other uh, decentralized systems. But um, so the, these were basically the advantages that we were looking at. Further, uh, moving further, looking at the disadvantages um, with regards to aging its uh, infrastructure. Many sewage systems in the UK. Uh, have aging infrastructure leading to political potential issues such as leaks, uh, blockage and failures. Upgrading and maintaining the, uh, the infrastructure can be costly and time consuming. Overflow and flooding risks with regards to these uh, areas with combined sewage systems uh, and heavy rainfall or storms, storm events can overwhelm the capacity of the system resulting in sewage overflows and increased flood risk. Uh, what effect it has on the on the environment or the environment, uh, environmental impact uh, with regards to this, while sewage system uh, whilst, uh, while sewage treatment facilities aim to remove uh, pollutants, there is still the potential for some com- uh, contamination con- contaminants to be discharged into water bodies. Uh, effluent discharges must be carefully regulated and monitored to minimize environmental impact. The um, Holy Quran, uh-huh. uh, it is stated in the Holy Quran uh, in chapter 2, verse 206. And when he is in authority, he runs about in the land to create disorder in it and destroy the crops and the progeny of man. And Allah loves not dis, uh, disorder. So this verse clearly implies and demands that we are readily, we are always ready to exploit resources without thinking about the consequences on our natural world and limit resources we have. And therefore, we take care of the environment and give its our environment its due right. If you look at it, having um, this world, the trees, the water, the sun, 
this planet that we live on, the life that has been provided to us, it has been given by God. And it is, uh, our, it is our duty first and foremost as human beings to also take care of it, not just uh, benefit from it, because it's been provided and given to us by Allah the Almighty. And at the end of the verse, I'll just come back to that. It uh-huh. says, Allah does not love disorder. So uh-huh. give its due right. Give to its due, the environment its due right and try to do things that are good for the environment and um, avoid things that are harmful to the environment. And with regards to this, it reminds me that the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, has done so much for the environment and promotes it, uh, his followers, the Ahmadi Muslims all over the world to um, do tree planting, to uh, try to drive less uh, and uh, try to walk if they are going on small distances, try to cycle. Um, I think just about two years ago, the auxiliary organization for the ladies, they were given a target to plant 100,000 trees in the UK. So that, and that's just one country. So if you look at all over the world as a whole, His Holiness is giving instructions and doing a lot for the environment. And each and every Ahmadi Muslim uh, is also trying their best. And you know, um, Hassan, uh, sorry again, sorry, I'm very sorry. Nafis, yeah. you know, you just mentioned His Holiness and you mentioned Holy Quran. Which is very interesting because you know this is, people are, most people even don't know that the Quran has talked about that as well. Mm-hmm. You know there's one thing uh, I want to mention about Holy Quran as well is that in chapter 55, in the beginning, it starts about uh, uh, about how perfectly he has designed everything mm-hmm. and everything created in balance, right? He mm-hmm. said that and the heaven he has raised and imposed this balance. That you do not transgress within the balance, right? Mm-hmm. And now, look, look, if we just look on the earth, right? The earth is in a perfect distance from the sun, and Allah basically filled our world with trees, which stabilize the soil, the rivers. Upon we, the civilization, can flourish. Mm-hmm. And then there are also countless miraculous ecosystems. So Allah just told us, yeah, do not transgress, yes, transgress. Within the balance, mm-hmm. but don't just think, okay, everything we just get got is, uh, given by Allah, it's just we never asked for it. Mm-hmm. Let's do whatever we, whatever we want. No, you mentioned a very beautiful thing that we are looking after, we should look after the environment. This is what the Prophet and the Caliph have told us and have reminded us as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I believe, you know, um, because Allah has said that we are the guardians of the world, mm-hmm. we are looking after the guardians uh, after the world. If we don't, we will harm ourselves in the end. And we have seen, like, seen, uh, for example, one thing is we have seen the flood in Pakistan, mm-hmm. which came, I think, a year ago, which had a very bad impact on the country and the ecosystem as well. Mm-hmm. And other people lost their lives as well. Now, funny thing is, Pakistan was looking after the environment. Mm. There were other people who were not looking after the environment and someone else suffered from that. So this is what, uh, very important as well that, as we talked about that before, that the human life is way, uh, like the, Allah, Allah has said, Allah has said that the, the value is the human life. And uh, if we do something wrong, 
we might cause problem and trouble for other people. So we should we shouldn't take any, everything for granted. We should look for everyone. We should look up the environment, and we should look for other people as well. Um, this is what you know. Um, Allah has said, um, dear listeners. As I said, you can be a part of the show anytime. You can call in anytime. The number is 0208-687-7878. Or you can tweet us at VoiceOps on UK. Let me know what would you do to look after the environment. What advice would you give to the listeners and to us? You can call in anytime. We will go on a short break. But we will be back after that. So do me a favor. Don't go anywhere. La la. So for for me in 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 my life, what I did was, I said to um. It came to a point in my life where, I said, I need spirituality, I need to know about. There must be more to life than just working, getting up in the morning, going to work at nine o'clock coming home at five o'clock, going to bed, waking up the next day and doing the same thing over and over again. There must be more to life than just eating food and taking pleasure from a meal. There must be more to life than drinking a latte and taking pleasure in a latte. And all of these thoughts take you towards spirituality. And when you know spirituality, that is to come to Allah. So, so that was how it started. But then what really, you know, practically for me, what happened was I said to the, the various friends that I had at the time, you know, I believe in, I want to know about God, yeah. whether or not God exists. What would you advise me? So I spoke to a Christian, right. I spoke to a Buddhist, I spoke to a Muslim, right. I spoke to a Hindu a, Hindu, a little bit, yeah. and also to an Ahmadi Muslim as well. Right. And they all right. gave me the same advice. They all said, Allah, we believe in God, we pray, and God answers prayers. Sure. So what was very nice is all the different religions essentially gave the same advice. Right. When I did that, then when I prayed, then Allah answered my prayers right. and I prayed for the first time genuinely from my heart and Allah says that whenever the supplicant prays to him then he answers those prayers yeah. and Allah by the grace of by the grace of Allah Almighty then he answered my prayers and I believed in him for the first time and from there I continued those conversations and I said to the Christian what do you believe I said to the Muslim what do you believe and to the Hindu the same and to the Ahmadi Muslim and essentially, to believe in Islam Ahmadiyyat means you believe in all of Jesus' teachings, all of Krishna's teachings, all of Buddha's teachings, but you have them clarified by the Holy Quran, right. and then you accept the Prophet or the Imam Mahdi who's been sent by Allah in, in subservience to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu So to, to become an Ahmadi Muslim means that you actually accept everything that all of the others do, but you are the most submissive to Allah because you accept a Prophet that has come so recently that to make that decision shows, or inshallah, it shows to Allah that I'm willing to follow you and not just my culture, not just my society, but I'm willing to accept the one that you've sent in my, in my time, in my generation. Sure.
أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله listening to the voice of islam radio in the name of allah the most gracious ever merciful dear listeners welcome back to breakfast show we were talking about the environment and how we can look after the environment and then nafi basically tell us of the sewage system and what impact it has had on us and the civilian and the population but nafi because we talked about the environment i want to know what impact it has can it has on the environment as well yep absolutely with regards to this i would like to um allude to a verse of the holy quran which says that there is not an animal that crawls in the earth nor a bird that flies on its two wings but they are communities like you we have left out nothing in the book then to their lord they show be gathered together so this is from chapter 6 verse 39 and this verse suggests that the ecosystem around us are communities just like us so should be they should be looked after in the same way destroying their habits habitats should be avoided whenever possible it also shows us that uh, allah the almighty is the supreme creator of everything in the universe so how we act towards his creation will always be seen and judged by him uh with regards to the negative impacts uh effluent discharge energy consumption and carbon emissions disruptions to environment and ecosystems during construction maintenance combined sewer uh, sewer uh, overflows leading to leading un- untreated sewage to cause them harm to acquired life with regards to this uh the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam Uh, is recorded to have said that a man traveling along a road felt extremely thirsty and went down a well and drank when he came up he saw a dog panting with thirst and licking the moist earth this animal the man said is suffering from thirst just as much as i was so he went down the well filled his shoe with water and taking it in his teeth climbed out the well and gave the water to the dog god was pleased with this act and granted him pardon for the for his sins so this is a very interesting narration that's been narrated by the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam similarly he also said that all creatures are the ch- are, are the children of god and the best among you is he who treats his creatures uh, well so these are um the sayings of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam very amazing sayings what you just said very amazing the listeners we will go on for a short break for the news break but we will be back after that if you want to be a part of the show let us know give us guidance how can we look after the environment the number is 0208687878 or you can tweet us at voice of islam uk i'll be thrilled to hear your voice and i'll be happy to listen to your voices and to your guidance Do me a favor, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio and don't go anywhere. And I we will be back after the 8 o'clock news and we will carry on with this uh, segment as well as we have interesting guests as well. So, 
I will hear you. I will see you after the news break. Our jihad is not a jihad of swords, guns, or bombs. Our jihad is not a jihad of cruelty, brutality, and injustice. Rather, our jihad is of love, mercy, and compassion. Our jihad is of tolerance, justice, and human sympathy. Our jihad is to fulfill the rights of God Almighty and of His creation. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. We were just talking about the environmentally system or how environmentally friendly are our savage system. And the fee just talked about Islamic perspective, but Islam told us what guidance Islam gave us. But he just has normally delighted as someone as well as expertise who is the director of communication and advocacy for the River Trust. Her name is Tessa Wardley. And the listeners, Tessa has 25 years of experience and has a wealth of technical policy, communication, and engagement experience from within the sector. Tessa, good morning and welcome to the first show. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Tessa, I'm very delighted to have you with us right now. But before I come to the actual topic, um, I just want to know, can you tell us about the role as a director of communication and advocacy for the River Trust? And how does it relate to the impact of UK's, UK's server systems on rivers? Yeah, sure. So the Rivers Trust is a conservation charity which we have a vision of wild, healthy, natural rivers valued by everyone. Um, We have a network of 65 local trusts in England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Ireland, so throughout the UK and Ireland. Um, And we're a group of people, so we're around 400 400 plus people, um, river and catchment experts with a wealth of data and expertise at our fingertips. We specialize in working in partnerships at local river scale to find solutions to the problems on our rivers, um, of which sewage and the sewage system is just one. So my role in particular is to help explain what the challenges are to people, what the solutions might be, um, and to talk to government um, decision makers at government and regulatory level in particular um, about the policies that they're setting um, to help try and find the right policies and sensible solutions to solve the problems for our rivers. Uh, and uh, I guess I wanted to know that uh, what are some of the key ways in which sewage systems in the UK affect the health and uh, quality of rivers? Yeah, sure. So there's been a lot of um, media political focus on sewage in our rivers, and it's you know it's really welcome that it's been picked up because it's something we've been working to raise public awareness of. Um, so there's been a particular focus on storm overflows that release untreated sewage into our rivers after heavy rain. The problem here is that it seems that many of the storm overflows have been discharging much more regularly than they should. And that's a real problem, both for human health as well as river health. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it means that unscreened and untreated sewage um, gets into our waterways. And that contains a number of pollutants. So that might be anything from things that you can see. So like the actual litter from mm-hmm. the sewage. So sanitary items, wet wipes, right. un- things that are unpleasant and damaging for wildlife if they try to eat it. There's also disease organisms in there, so mm-hmm. things that can actually make us ill, so bacterial infections, E. coli. You know, and if you go into the water, then you, you have a risk of stomach bugs and, and worse. Um, but there's also high levels of 
nutrients, so nitrogen and phosphorus, but also chemicals and microplastics. And they're present in untreated sewage. They're also treated, present in treated sewage. So it's not just the untreated storm overflows that are causing a problem. So every day, um, our sewage, our treated waste also has a bad effect on our rivers um, because many treatment works are not performing as well as they should. So they're actually having mm-hmm. a bigger long-term impact than actually the sewage, the storm overflows that we, you know, are, are concerned. But actually, it's almost the long-term impact of the everyday treated sewage that's having a problem because um, they're very high in things like nitrogen and phosphorus, which have a really high oxygen demand. So that means that the animals in the water can't get the oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. So it can kill off wildlife. They can um, cause very rapid growth of plants and algae, which then choke the waterways um, and don't lead to a nice mm-hmm. sort of diverse mix of plants and animals in there. Um, there's also lots of chemicals going in. Some are very toxic and persistent, which means they hang around and they're very hard to get rid of. Um, and they can be poisonous and toxic to the plants and wildlife as well. Um, you know, so there's, there's, there's quite a lot of problems that our, our rivers are facing from what's going into the rivers from sewage treatment. And um, just on the, the sort of last point on this is that actually it's not just the sewage that's a problem for our rivers as well. Many of our rivers are, are heavily modified, so they've been put into narrow channels and, um, you know, particularly in, in amongst the cities, very sort of concrete channels and things. Right. Um, and then in rural areas, you get a lot of runoff from farmland, so livestock, slurries and waste and fertiliser and soils and things going into the rivers as well. And, and that's a whole a whole other problem <laughs> right. that our rivers are facing. So, you know, many challenges for our rivers at the moment and, and sewage is, is just one of them. <laughs> right, right. And um, what exactly um, has uh, the Rivers Trust, how, how has it been involved, in fact, in addressing uh, these issues that we're talking about with regards to pollution in these rivers? Yeah, so um, we've been involved in a number of ways. So we have a particular focus on evidence. We're very... Um, evidence-based organisation. So one of the things that we have done is made data available to people. Um, So we think it's really important that everyone can see what the problem is. Um, And, you know, one of the problems has been that no one has known what's going on in the sewage treatment works. And and so we think it's really important that everyone can get that data and evidence. Um, And if everyone has access to that, then, you know, the polluters can't hide. We can hold government and, and um, water companies to account and the regulators have to act. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've done is um, we've made that available on our website through um, what we call Sewage Map. Mm-hmm. So you can go onto the website and have a look and see where these discharges are, are happening and where, where the pollution is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, we're beginning to see an impact of that in the sense that, you know, government is beginning to take notice regulators are beginning to act and you know i think water companies are have um you know accepted that there is a problem that needs to be resolved um and so we can see that that kind of is starting to have an effect um and promises have been made but we now need to really keep the pressure on to make sure that that action goes ahead um, and politicians and government don't back away from promises that they've made and you know the responsibilities mm-hmm. they have and um, we also work in catchments so in each of the river catchments the areas that drain into rivers 
we have um, our local river trust and we work in partnership with others within those catchments so we work with um, people who like to use the rivers you know swimmers dog walkers um, you know people who just like to sit on the riverbank and have a look um, and we all but we also work with the people who are polluting in the area so landowners water companies and also those people that benefit mm-hmm. from clean rivers to try to solve the problem by getting everyone to work together um, to restore natural rivers um, so that the rivers can actually cope with whatever we throw at them. And that includes, you know, the impact of climate change and the mm-hmm. extremes of high rainfall and drought that we're, we're seeing more and more. If we have natural rivers, um, then actually they can cope with the higher rainfall and doesn't lead to so many damaging flood events in, in our towns and cities. Right, right. And um, I guess, what advice would you give to individuals who are passionate about river con- uh, conservation and what uh, and want to get involved, in fact, in mm. advocacy work? Yeah, sure. So, so there's a number of ways that people can get involved. So, um, as I've mentioned, we have a network of river trusts, um, and you can go along and volunteer and get involved with your local rivers trust if you're interested in in that kind of activity. Um, if you look at our website, so the Rivers Trust website, you'll be able to find your local River Trust and, and their contact information. And they, they do things like they go out with local communities, um, tidying up the river, restoring the river, doing water monitoring, um, and lots of other activities on the local, local river, so you can get involved in that way. The other way um, you can get involved if you want more of the sort of the advocacy and putting pressure on um, your local MPs and things. If you follow us on, we're on all the social media channels. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I think we've even just started going onto threads. Um, you, then you can find out where we have campaigns. You can sign up and you can share and you can, you can get your voice heard um, to your local MP, your local council. Um, and government and water companies and let them know that you care and that it's a priority for you and then you know that increases the chance that they will take action in the right areas right absolutely uh tessa wardley uh thank you so much for taking your time out and uh, providing us this useful information and uh, hopefully we'll um hoping to have you back soon uh thank you once again for taking your time no out. problem Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. That was Tessa Waldley, Director of Communications and Advocacy for the Rivers Trust, giving some very, very useful uh, information. Uh, I'm sure you would agree, Brother Sahil. Uh, I would definitely do, and especially what she said in the end that uh, it's very important that for the sewage systems, if you want to help, if you want to be a part of it, our voice should be heard and we should make our made the first step as well to go forward, forward to that. You know, Nafis, I also like what you said before we called the guest. Mm-hmm. Remember when we went to the news break, you talked about uh, the importance we have as living beings in the, this earth and that's how we should look after the environment and the earth and that how we should look after the living beings in the earth as well. And you gave examples uh, to the saints of the Holy Prophet upon him he gave about that person was traveling was extremely thirsty and and instead of giving a drink a, a, taking the opportunity to drink something he gave that drink or that water to a thirsty dog as well which pleased Allah so much mm-hmm. uh, that he granted him paradise so mm-hmm. and he pardoned all his sins so you you see that mm. 
Allah, God the Almighty has said that by looking after the environment, look after my creation as well, and He will please, He will, He will too much please with us that He will forgive all our sins and will open the doors for paradise for us. But um, you know uh, about the sewage system and um, how uh, I want to, because you know this is uh, very interesting um, and especially what Tessa said as well that. I want to know that, uh, if we can uh, just give you a uh, thought about that, that, what action is we taken to improve the sewage systems and make them more environmentally friendly? Yes, absolutely. This is very, very interesting. Uh, so the government established regularity bodies like OFWAT, uh, the Water Service Regulation Authority, to oversee and regulate the water and uh, wastewater industry in England and Wales. These regularity, regularity, regu- sorry, excuse me, uh, bodies are set to perform targets and standards of sewage treatment and discharge, ensuring environmental protection and customer service. Um, the UK government implemented the European Union's Water Framework uh, uh, Directive WFD to improve the quality of water bodies, including river, rivers, uh, lakes and coastal waters. The WFD sets out targets and requirements for water quality, including sewage treatment standards and the reduction of pollution. The um, fifth head, the caliph mm-hmm. of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, at one uh, at one occasion, in fact, uh, states that um, uh, this is actually on the twenty first of November, twenty twenty one, and uh, Hazul says that. Generally, as much as possible, we should use recy- recyclable products. At the event of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the, at the events, there is usually a team dedicated for ensuring good hygiene. One of their responsibilities is to ensure that the environment and, faci- and the facilities should be kept as clean and tidy as possible, and they should um, uh, they should put rubbish. Into uh, and they should uh, get rid of rubbish in a environmentally friendly way. So once again, uh, His Holiness uh, is instructing the community, and the community community mem- members are delivering with regards to contributing uh, in a positive way to the um, environment. You know, um, Nafis, uh, even the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he had reminded us that we should look after the environment as well, and he. Uh, basically explained us the duty we have towards mm-hmm. that. He said that the world is sweet and green mm-hmm. and really Allah is going to install you as vice chairman in order to see how you act. So basically this is like a test as well that you will be asked how we acted and how we have fulfilled that duty Allah has given to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is like a great responsibility we have on our shoulders. And uh, it reminds us again and again and again and again on what you have said as well that this world we're living, we have to look after this and we have to make sure that it is clean. Um, dear listeners, uh, there's so much to say about that. And uh, you know, the great thing about this is that uh, uh, we have also invited great minds who can help us to think about it and can advise what to do. Right now, dear listeners, we have Professor Jimmy Woodward, who is the professor of geography at the University of Manchester. Professor Jamie Woodward, uh, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you. 
Uh, Professor Jamie Woodward, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Thank you. Good morning. Um, morning, morning. I'm, I'm very delighted to have you with us right now. Um, Professor, um, I just want to know, how would you assess the overall environmental friendliness of our current sewage system? Ah, well, that's a very good question. Um, it's important to state, you know, a, a fully functioning and effective sewage and wastewater treatment system is, is absolutely critical for, for public health and for maintaining the quality of the environment. But as you, as you and your listeners are, must be aware, in, in the UK at the moment, this is a very controversial area um, because there are currently far too many discharges of, of raw sewage and wastewater that go into rivers and go into the seas. Um, and these have become routine. So across the UK, I give the system four out of ten because when treatment is done properly, the system can function very well. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, four out of ten, I guess that that's uh, alarming for a lot of people. And, and uh, what are the key components of a sewage system? How do they impact the environment? I'm guessing this, a lot of people would want to know that. Yeah, well, if... Um, if you live in a in a town or a city, uh, there'll be a, a, a sewerage system. And one of the the legacies in 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 Britain is that we have what's called a combined sewer. Uh, we have a combined sewer system, and that means that the wastewater from your house, from your shower, your bath, and also the foul waste from toilets, basically ends up in the same drainage network as rainfall. So um, all this, the sewage and all the all the drainage water is combined, and that should go to a wastewater treatment plant. One of the problems with the system is, is that when we have too much rainfall, is the, the wastewater um, builds up and the sewage system can become overwhelmed. So it, there, there are safety valves. It then overflows into rivers and sometimes onto beaches. It's called a combined sewer overflow. Mm-hmm. But this is happening too frequently because the water companies have not invested sufficiently to, in, to increase the capacity of the network. Because as population has increased and as climate has become stormier, um, we haven't maintained the infrastructure sufficiently to make sure we can cope with the with the extra wastewater. So that poses a whole range of en- environmental problems. Right. And um, are there any specific aspects of sewage systems that pose in, that pose significant environmental challenges or concerns? Yeah, absolutely. When I work on rivers, for example, I do a lot of work on the rivers around uh, Greater Manchester. Uh, and the water company in the northwest of England is United Utilities, and, and they have a pretty poor record of, of sewage dumping in, in, in rivers. Their overflows happen far too frequently, but this wastewater obviously contains human waste. Um, if you swim in a river or swim in the sea where sewage has been dumped, that can make you seriously ill. You can get gastrointestinal problems. You can get stomach bugs, create vomiting and diarrhea. There's also uh, the problem of, of sewage litter on riverbanks and on riverbeds. And obviously this wastewater can, contains a whole set of pollutants, not just bacteria and pathogens, but things like heavy metals and microplastics. So wastewater and sewage contains a whole range of things that we don't want dumped in the environment. Right, right. And um, what are some uh, common methods used to treat sewage and how effective are they in minimising envi- environmental impact? Well, the sewage treatment process, you know, was, was developed in the UK in the Victorian era. Um, and when it's done properly, it's, it's very, very effective. There's a, there's a set of stages. The, the wastewater, first of all, is, is physically screened to take out solid matter. Um, so that's important. 
And then in terms of primary treatments, the waters in the sewage treatment plants, um, the organic matter is allowed to, to settle out into what we call sludge. Mm-hmm. And then there's a other series of processes, some biological processes where bacteria are used to, um, to take out some of the nasty bacteria in the wastewater. And then sometimes finally the water is filtered through a, through a sand bed. So there's a range of sort of physical biological treatments that take place that mean that when the water is returned to a river, um, it's not going to do any harm and it, it's safe for the environment. Now, that's not drinking water quality, but that's just water that's returned back to the river or back to the sea um, and will we'll do limited damage to the environment. Professor, um, I just want to know this because you just uh, talked about the challenges you have up there in the North Bay. Uh, because I live in Liverpool and I still have friends there who go and they swim in the Mersey River. If yep. they have already done that, what would they do after that? What should they do after that? After they have to swim in the river because as you said there are many challenges you have there yeah the Mersey estuary has a pretty poor record of sewage dumping United Utilities re- release sewage into the Mersey estuary from a number of locations for, for many many hours per year mm-hmm. so one of the things that from the, the recent Environment Act that came in is that the water companies should be putting information on sewage discharges online in more or less real time so, um, I mean, we're in the ridiculous situation. We shouldn't have these sewage discharges to this extent, but we can check online. We should be able to check online fairly soon and see where they're happening. Now, there's a, there's a charity called Surface Against Sewage. If you look on their website, you can see mm. where sewage has been discharged into estuaries and into the coast. Um, but um, So you, you can get that information, but it's just crazy that we have to do that at all. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Professor, I just want to know your opinion um, What are the most critical steps that need to be taken to make our sewage system more environmentally friendly and resilient in the face of environmental challenges? Yeah, well, there's a number of things that I mean that your listeners can do. First of all, don't don't flush mm-hmm. wet wipes down toilets. Don't flush flush sanitary products down toilets. That's one thing that we we can all do. They should they should absolutely go in the bin, because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that many of those wet wipes could then end up on your local riverbed. I mean, literally thousands and thousands of wet wipes accumulate on riverbeds every year. But more broadly, uh, the water companies in May apologized. They apologized because they haven't invested quickly enough to upgrade their infrastructure. So we absolutely have to have more investment so that the, the sewage system has greater capacity, wastewater treatment plants have greater capacity. So there's investment in the water companies, but also the government needs to fully fund the environment agency because they, they're the body who are responsible for monitoring what the water companies do to the environment. And um, I would argue that funding the Environment Agency is just as important as funding the National Health Service because we need to very carefully monitor and improve the quality of our rivers and our beaches across the UK. Professor Jimmy Woodward, thank you for sharing your thought. It was very important what you said about the sewage system and how we can make it more environmentally friendly. I wish you all the best for the future for your work and thank you um, for uh, coming and uh, sharing your thought. Uh, Thank you again. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Listeners, you just listened to Professor Jimmy Woodward, who is Professor of Geography at the University of Manchester. And um, I think the listeners, they will agree with us as well, but he has said, and very importantly, what he just mentioned, how we can help for the environment as well. I think if you want to listen to this again, as I said always, uh, the show will be on SoundCloud and uh, you can listen to the interview again, and you can take your notes as well, because this is very important. Um, now, listeners, we will go for, not a short break, but we will play a short clip, and after the clip, we'll be back, so do enjoy the clip as well. They are seeing 
how we use our centers to serve humanity and to try to improve the lives of those who are suffering, irrespective of caste, creed, or color, and to offer a helping hand to the most vulnerable and weakest members of society. Of course, our efforts to serve humanity predate these recent projects in Mali and Tanzania. However, the new complexes have enabled us to further advance our efforts and have made a very positive impression on the local people and are uh, proving a means of spreading the message of true Islam. Furthermore, the humanitarian projects established by the IEEE continue to progress and develop. For example, you have now completed the construction of 20 modern villages. Alhamdulillah. Furthermore, according to the report I have received during the past year, IEEE has installed 119 new water pumps. Yes. And uh, that which provides clean running water in extremely remote areas. Whilst 200 other water pumps have been rehabilitated. Moreover, a lot of effort has been made in providing electricity through the installation of solar panels in deprived areas. There are many other projects that the engineers, architects and other volunteers of the IEEE from the UK and other European countries have worked on and mashallah their spirit of service and technical proficiency has been exemplary. You just listen to the first Caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community and uh, the great work which IEEE has done. Uh, you, so you see even the Ahmadi Muslim community is trying to following the teachings and the commands of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and of course the teaching of the Holy Quran that look after the environment, look after the earth as well. It reminds me that Allah, Allah has said in chapter 40 verse 58 that surely the creation of the heavens and the earth is greater than the creation of man but most people know not. That is, he can see that Allah Taala basically teaching us humility that we should uh, remember that everything that Allah has created is not only for us, for everyone, not only for human beings but also for the animals and we are allowed to use the resources but we never can own them. Remember the Holy Prophet said when doomsday comes, if someone has a palm shot in his hand, he should plant it. He, again, he basically is the first one who recognized the responsibility we have. And as a society, he was a pioneer of environment, uh, comes to you know, environment, and he would done, he has done many, many things as well to look after. And he tr- also motivated his companions to do the same as well. The listeners, um, as I said, this is very important as well. You can call it anytime, and you can let us know what you thought about it is. 
what would you advise us? How can we maintain or how can we look after our environment? The number is 0208-687-7878. Or you can read it at Voice of Islam UK. Listeners, we will go now for a short break. And after that, we will be back with our next segment. So do me a favor. Stay tuned with the Voice of Islam radio. The originator, the one from whom all creation originated. And he it is who originates the creation, then repeats it, and it is most easy for him. So for for me in 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 my life, what I did was, I said to um. It came to a point in my life where I said, I need spirituality. I need to know about, there must be more to life than just working, getting up in the morning, going to work at nine o'clock, coming home at five o'clock, going to bed, waking up the next day and doing the same thing over and over again. There must be more to life than just eating food and taking pleasure from a meal. There must be more to life than drinking a latte and taking pleasure in a latte. And all of these thoughts take you towards spirituality. And when you know spirituality, that is to come to Allah. So, so that was how it started. But then what really, you know, practically for me, what happened was, I said to the, the various friends that I had at the time, you know, I believe in, I want to know about God, whether or not God exists, what would you advise me? So I spoke to a Christian, I spoke to a Buddhist, I spoke to a Muslim, I spoke to a a Hindu a little bit yeah. and also to an Ahmadi Muslim as well right. and they all right. gave me the same advice they all said Allah we believe in God we pray and God answers prayers sure. so what was very nice is all the different religions essentially gave the same advice right. when I did that then when I prayed then Allah answered my prayers right. and I prayed for the first time genuinely from my heart and Allah says that whenever the supplicant prays to him then he answers those prayers. Yeah. And Allah, by the, grace of, by the grace of Allah Almighty, then he answered my prayers and I believed in him for the first time. And from there, I continued those conversations and I said to the Christian, what do you believe? I said to the Muslim, what do you believe? And to the Hindu, the same, and to the Ahmadi Muslim. And essentially, to believe in Islam Ahmadiyyat means you believe in all of Jesus' teachings, all of Krishna's teachings, all of Buddha's teachings, but you have them clarified by the Holy Quran. Right. And then you accept the Prophet or the Imam Mahdi who's been sent by Allah in, in subservience to the Holy Prophet mm. So to, to become an Ahmadi Muslim means that you actually accept everything that all of the others do, but you are the most submissive to Allah because you accept a Prophet that has come so recently that to make that decision shows or inshallah it shows to Allah that I'm willing to follow you and not just my culture, not just my society, but I'm willing to accept the one that you've sent in my, in my time, in my generation. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam. You're listening to Big Show. My name is Shalom Ahmed, and I'm joined here with Nafis Kamad. And Nafis, I mean, uh, it's very interesting what we talk about in the first segment about the environment and the listeners. 
I want to know from you, what would you advise us? How can we take care of our environment? And what would you do to stay healthy? What is the best exercise you would tell us or you would do? The number is 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. We come now to a second segment of our mm-hmm. listeners. Again, would you just tell what the second segment is and what the gist of the story is? Yes, so it's actually, the, so the question that's been put out there is how we can keep one of our most important and mysterious organs healthy. So, uh-huh. no, no, none other than your brain, obviously. So, maintaining your brain health is incredibly important, as in neglecting it can cause many issues. So, on today's show, we'll be discussing how to maintain your brain's good health, uh, what is being discovered in the medical field that can help illnesses of the brain and what games in fact you can play to uh, keep your brain active and healthy interesting but i know it's, it's kind of a funny question but what does your brain do basically i mean this is what <clears throat> i mean everyone knows okay we need our brain as i said it's very important for the body it keeps uh, running keeps the body running as well of course you need your brain to gain knowledge but Maybe there's something else you want to tell the listeners about yes. the brain. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so it's actually a very interesting question what your brain actually does. So the human brain is a complex organ that plays a central role in various uh, cognitive functions and the central nervous system. It performs multiple uh, tasks, including uh, sensory uh, perception. The brain receives uh, and processes sensory information from the environment allowing us to perceive and interpret the world around us Uh, it's like a motor control the brain is responsible for coordinating and controlling voluntary and involuntary movements of the body it sends signals to the muscles and regulates their contractions and relaxation Uh, memory formation is another function Uh, the the brain is involved in the formation storage and retrieval of memories it processes uh, and consolidates information allowing us to remember past events uh, it regulates emotions uh, it plays a crucial role uh, regulating emotions and emotional responses uh, it promotes emotional um, uh, stimulations and helps us experience and express various emotions and uh, obviously complex thinking uh, is another process that is uh, carried out by the brain. It's very interesting, uh, Pisa. Yeah, cut you off, but um, we have someone with us, uh, someone very important, a great mind. As with us right now, dear listeners, we have um, Dr. Dennis Chan with us, who um, is pr- uh, principal research fellow at the UCL Institute of Cognitive Neuroscience and a consultant neurologist. Neurologist who runs a regional mem- memory clinic in Sussex. He holds dual research doctorates in basic and clinical neuros- neuroscience with his PhD undertaken in the UCL lab of Nobel laureate John O'Keefe. Dr. Dennis, um, good morning and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning. It's good to have you with us right now because it's a very important topic. Um, and. Um, that's a lot of all organ we need and it's very important to us as well. It's the brain. And yeah. as I said, it is the, maybe the most important organ we have in our body. But however, despite knowing this, we often neglect to take care of it by adopting bad habits relating to sleep and eating sector. So as a doctor, how do you suggest we 
how can we improve our brain health daily? And can playing certain games, uh, can they improve aid in this and how? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. And of course, it's, um, it's fundamental for good health long, long term that we maintain our brains. The good news is that we can actually do so even through to later life, you know, well, in, well into our old age. Our brains, we still, they, can, they still have the capacity to generate new brain cells and to generate new connections. But I think the message I try to say to my patients and what I'd say now is actually a fairly straightforward one, which is that the brain will only generate new connections and grow new brain cells which in turn is good for memory thinking, as you heard earlier, mm-hmm. but it will only do that if it's stimulated to do so. So in other words, if we don't do much with our brains, we should sit around, do nothing, don't see people, don't, don't read books, um, do the same things day after day. Mm-hmm. That's not stimulating for the brain. There's no reason for the brain to generate new brain cells. If we do stimulate our brain, and that can take any form, virtually any form you like, yeah. then that's what will motivate the formation of new connections and and ultimately strengthen the brain circuits, which in turn will um, help sustain uh, memory, thinking, decision-making mm-hmm. into later life. What is actually required to the, to the precise method by which one can stimulate the brain actually can vary from person to person. That can be on one level just being physically active, going out there, enjoying the outside. Um, social activity, my, uh, the research I did and colleagues of mine in Cambridge, we found that actually social activity is possibly the most important thing of all, which if, if one thinks about it, makes a lot of sense. If we're out uh, talking with people, even you and I talking now, um, we've never spoken to before, this, this is a uh, national radio, we're, we're discussing a complex topic. Mm-hmm. It's creating new ideas, you're listening to me, you're communicating, you're, you're, you're thinking about what I'm saying, I'm sort of listening to what you're asking me. It's all challenging for the brain, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. So, so right now our conversation, we, our brains are both stimulated, to think about what we're talking about, to process what we're doing and, and respond. And this will take home and, and, and think further about what we're saying after this call. Mm-hmm. Um, so social activity, of course, by communicating, the, the human beings are social animals, that's actually arguably the most powerful thing of all. And certainly it seems to be in our work that being socially active actually is possibly one of the strongest factors in our middle life that can reduce the risk of dementia in later life. Things like games, um, yes, absolutely. Uh, intellectual challenges, Sudoku, chess, they're all good. Um, but actually, I think the, what I try to say to my patients is not to get too uh, focused on little issues like that. Because actually, the br- being stimulated is much more than just about reading or playing chess and, being, and, and doing Sudoku. And there's almost a slight risk about that, which is that if, for example, I ask you to play chess for 10 years, at the end of 10 years, you're going to be really good at chess, but that doesn't necessarily translate into your everyday life. It doesn't necessarily mean you might be any better at doing your tax returns at the end of the year because it just means your brain has trained itself to be really good at chess. Mm-hmm. So it's important to be aware that whatever we do, yes, they're all good, but it has to be taken in context. There has to be, it has to be balanced by doing things that actually have relevance to the real world. And again, I come back to this issue about social activity. Human beings are social animals. We are designed to want to be in the company of others, to see people talk to friends and family. And that is key. So games, yes, absolutely. But the slight catch on that is not to focus on that too much because being active and keeping healthy is beyond just games. It's more about having a healthy lifestyle. Right. What you said earlier, issues like sleep, yes, absolutely. We've got to look after our sleep. We've got to 
because ideally you have a slightly healthier diet, you know, don't smoke, don't drink, all those things. But that's that's pretty much standard health advice. Right. And so in, in, in a time and society where, you know, we have a lot of uh, bad habits, I'm guessing, when it comes to sleeping or eating and obesity is on a rise, um, does it increase our chances of getting diseases of the brain? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a complicated issue, but the, the short answer is yes. And, and the ways in which uh, these, our lifestyle changes can affect us is in several ways. So first of all, for example, obesity, the links with cholesterol. We know that cholesterol is actually very important for how brain cells function. And if there's a damage to that system because of uh, conditions like obesity, uh, then the, there will be effect on, on brain cells ultimately. There's other things like blood vessel and um, flowing of the arteries. Now, we all know that things like smoking, high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol will cause flowing of the arteries, and we all know about the links between heart disease. But the same applies to the brain. There are blood vessels that go from the heart to the brain, and we know that these so-called risk factors for blood vessel disease can also affect brain function. They, they narrow the arteries of the brain. That means they reduce blood flow. If there's reduced blood flow, it means the brain cells don't get so much blood, they don't get so much oxygen, and they don't function quite so well. And beyond that, there's a whole range of other more complicated pathways that involve things like inflammation um, that could all affect the brain unhealthily in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Even the way in which our, uh, in, in sleep, uh, one of the things that happens in sleep is that there's a lot of fluid that goes in and out of the brain, mm-hmm. um, known as the spinal fluid. Even we've, we now know that even in sleep, that, that actually acts as a kind of, almost like a sort of filtering mechanism. It's a, it's a system by which the brain can clear a lot of proteins, a lot of these molecules that, that if left alone, they'll build up and damage the brain. Mm-hmm. And, this, and at night, during the sleep, the, the fluid, essentially, it works to clear this, uh, these, these excess unwanted molecules. If we don't sleep so well, that clearance doesn't work quite so well. And what we then have is we have a situation in which these fairly toxic molecules then build up in, within the brain and then cause damage. So in summary, there's lots and lots of different pathways and mechanisms by, by which um, lifestyle, diet, obesity, sleep mm-hmm. can damage the brain. And we know them reasonably well, and we know them well enough to be able to advise people as to what to do and ideally what not to do. Right. And um, how do people with neuro- neurological disorders help maintain the health of the brain? And um, has your research found these methods to be effective? Yes. Yeah, so um, in a way, one could argue that the the importance of maintaining healthy lifestyle is possibly even greater in people who already have a brain disease because they've already got a problem. Mm-hmm. And in those people, the, um, the priority is to try to slow down the progression of their condition as much as possible. Um, and again, the same principles apply, the same advice I've just mentioned to you about lifestyle applies. But one, would also, one could also say that in those individuals who already have a condition, there may even be an added value, which is, the, which is a more subtle one and, and a psychological one, and which is about mindset and quality of life. If people have a neurological disease, because ultimately we don't have a cure for Alzheimer's, we don't have a cure for Parkinson's, we may do one day, but we don't right now. People know that without a cure, they're going to get gradually worse. Mm-hmm. That is, of course, very sobering, and for many people, it's very depressing. And it raises anxiety, it lowers mood, and reduces quality of life. Mm-hmm. And a natural consequence of that is that they will be less motivated to do things. 
the tennis balls, they got Parkinson's, they can't play, you know, they can't drive anymore, they can't walk around to the uh, around the home and more, many more, it's going to be upsetting. And actually trying to say to someone, well, yes, you, you have got Parkinson's, but you know what? You're not in a wheelchair, you're not going to be wheelchair anytime soon, you're living in your own home. Why don't you go out and see your friends? Why don't you go for a walk? There's no reason why you can't jump on a plane and go to Sydney if you want to. There's nothing stopping you doing it. And in, by, by trying to motivate them to say, look, not only is this good for you to maintain a good lifestyle, but actually it tells them that despite them having a disease, there is no, you know, obviously, assuming they can do, they can actually engage in those activities. That, in turn, has a positive psychological impact. And I think it's terribly important. It's one of the rules, one of the things that we learn in medicine is we want to try to convey a positive message to people we look after whenever possible. We don't want to gaslight them. We don't want to feed them wrong information. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is trying to advise people to live with their condition and overcome it as best they can rather than have the condition rule them mm-hmm. is really important. And it empowers them and it makes them feel that they can do more, which, of course, for many people, they can. And if so, they, by doing it, not only do they get, get the benefits of lifestyles, but they also improve their mood state, they improve their mental health, and they improve their quality of life. So you could argue all those things we talked about earlier about lifestyle, the importance of all of us as we go through our lives, you could argue that it's actually magnified for people who have a condition. Very interesting, um, uh, Doctor. And I believe you just talked about Alzheimer's and other uh, memory disorder, and I, I believe this is your main research as well. And you also gave us advice what we can do to help these people, to motivate them. Uh, but is there any other thing we can do as well to help these people who are suffering from Alzheimer's or any other memory disorders? There are... There are a lot of ways in our lives that we can try to retrain our brain. So if we go if we go away from the general topic we just discussed about lifestyle and we talk specifically about memory and brain function, then yes, we know that there are ways that we can retrain our brain. So for example, if and, and, and they're fairly simple and they make a lot of common sense, but actually sometimes it helps to to articulate them. Now, for example, if someone um, misplaces their keys all the time. Now, one of the main reasons why we, we put our keys down or put our things down and forget where we put them is because we're not actually focusing on when we do it. You know, we come in, we go, go get through our front door, we put the keys down, then think about what we're doing, and then, surprise, surprise, 10, 20 minutes later, we think, where do we put it? And that's mm-hmm. a loss of mental focus, that, that reduced concentration. It, one can actually increase concentration by, by trying to, by advising people and, and, and recommending, well, when you do that, just think about what you're doing. You know, take, a, take a moment, put it down, always put it down in the same place. If you put your keys in the same place again and again and again, you won't lose them. If you put your phone in the same place, you won't lose them. Just adjust your lifestyle, adjust the way you do your, your, your daily activities. And it's a very subtle, little change, but actually over time, it then begins to work. Mm-hmm. And then people don't misplace items so much. If mm-hmm. people forget conversations very easily, simple things like, well, write it down. Mm. You know, have something Not- with you. Uh, you forget where to... We all have phones these days. Some people don't like them. Some people do like them. We use those devices as memory aids. Okay, you have an appointment. Fine. Put it in your phone. Stick an alarm on so that when the time comes, you get an alarm five minutes before you've got to make a call or whatever it is, and you'll make the call. And then there's all these tiny little bits that in themselves can accumulate and ultimately aid overall daily function, overall thinking. Interesting. Now, you know, something I would know but now because you've told me that, I would look uh, after that because, you know, I'm someone who just 
always looking for his key or most of the yeah, other for, for the mobile because I just misplaced the mobile and then after my wife again has to see my mobile. Something very common with me. It is absolutely right. And how many times do we all do that thing of we think to ourselves, oh yes, we must do that, and then no, exactly. and then and then we do something else. And and actually the answer is it, when I do that now, if I think oh, I've got to do that, I know that if I don't do it on the spot, I'll probably forget it. So actually, what I do is I think, oh no, I've got, I've got to call so and so, or you know, send that email. I send the email because otherwise I know that two days time I think, oh no, I'm sure there's something I should have done. And I didn't do it because actually, just our, our lives are so busy. We have so many things going in and out of our heads that things will slip. And, no, and, and it just requires a tiny bit of discipline to say, okay, well, if I remember, if I remember now, I need to do this. Well, you know, something, something mundane, you know, travel insurance, whatever it is, just do it. Has to be done. No. Once thinking about it, okay, well, I thought about it. Just get it out of the way. And it's just a tiny bit of um, adjustment to one's daily life. It, it just improves concentration improves decision-making and planning. Just a bit of increased efficiency, if you like. No, it is interesting. I think I will adjust my answer to that as well. Um, Doctor, thank you for joining the uh, Breakfast Show and uh, sharing thoughts because this was very interesting, very helpful for us as well, and I'm sure the listeners will agree with me as well. uh, Thank you for joining, and hopefully we can have you one time again on the Breakfast Show. I wish you all the best for the future. Thank Thank you. you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Nafiz, how many times did you uh, misplace your key, your mobile, or, or your wallet, etc.? Absolutely, that's actually very interesting. I was just thinking about that as the Dr. Chan was speaking. That it's uh, it's it's so it's so alarming how uh, neglectful is, we have become uh, in our daily lives, and that also shows that going back fifty years, hundred years, uh, how people's memory was much sharper, and how would they remember tons and tons of things. Uh, absolutely, it's, 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 it's because you know we don't think about that, but then suddenly someone reminds us this, this is very harmful, and we just take it. Then we take it very uh, seriously then as well. And talking about you know memory, uh, you, you talk, uh, for example, the Holy Quran is upon him. He and his a lot of companions they started learning the Holy Quran as well. They memorized all the verses, which is very helpful for them as well. Which uh, again trains the brain as well, and. Um, Nafiz, I know we have short time left. Uh, we have a clip to play as well. So um, I think it's very going to be very interesting for listeners. They listen to the clip as well. Uh, do me a favor, do listen to the clip, and uh, we will be back after that clip. Well, I, I think I'm not keeping myself as healthy as I should because I don't have time for ex- enough exercise. But I have daily exercise. And uh, there I can tell you one other secret. Turn to homeopathy. If you want to remain really healthy, it's very important to get rid of the allopathic system of drugging. The system itself is so cruel that it destroys your liver, your other glands, directly attacks the heart, etc., kidneys. Because when it confronts the presence of viruses or bacteria in the body, it must kill them. And the poisons which are essential for killing life are given to you in the name of drugs. And they have no other alternative but to do that. It is very naive to believe that they would kill only selectively the foreign elements which are not 
uh, wanted in the system. When they are powerful and potent enough to kill some forms of life, they also incidentally injure some other forms of life within your system. And no sane allopath would deny this. You know, some quacks may say, no, 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 it's not right. Everybody knows how the liver function is affected adversely, how the heart function is affected, how kidneys receive a negative, uh, you know, uh, are uh, injured sometimes in the membranes within, which is, which is called mucous membranes. And because of overmuch of antibiotics or overmuch of aspirin or overmuch of other such things. So ever since I started homeopathy, I felt that I'm feeling definitely with the grace of Allah much better than before. My serious attacks of migraine have gone. My hyperacidity with which I lived, which was also responsible for my migraine attacks, It's no more there. Very occasionally I feel, and then I treat myself, and it's all right. So, because we have banned from in our family, from our family, antibiotics. That's one major factor. Whether homeopathy is good or bad, banning of uh, uh, this antibiotics is definitely good. But when you ban them, you must have some alternative. And that is why I say homeopathy is, mashallah, is a well-tried, well-tested alternative, which is far better than the allopathic system of cure, right? So, dear listeners, you just listened to a clip of the fourth caliph of the MD Muslim community. Dear listeners, we have reached now at the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to listen again, you can do so on Tone Cloud. As I said, we had a very interesting guest uh, who thought very... Uh, share some very interesting thoughts as well, which are very important for us. But if you want to stay tuned with the voice of somebody, you can do so from 4 to 6 p.m. today. We have, we'll have the Drive Some Show, and our colleagues from Drive Some Show will discuss the topic of childhood poverty and Jalsasana history. As you might know, uh, next week we will have the uh, largest Muslim gathering here in the U.K., uh, which is held every year, and uh, we will have space-inspiring speeches by His Holiness and by other um, guests as well. And you can tune in on YouTube, uh, MTA Online One. But if you want, if you want to learn no more about Islam, you can do so by staying tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio, or you can turn in tomorrow at the same time uh, if you want to listen again to the Breakfast Show. I'm very uh, thankful to you, listeners, that you joined the show today and you listen to it I'm also very thankful to our producers which are Garfield Latif and Hania Sajid thank you for the amazing script thank you for you in the piece as well thank you for our guests as well thank you for our researchers Sophia Nasheen Ahmed Pale Ahmed Sophia Ahmed Halima Ahmed Kashpan Nur Ahmed and the tech team as well um, for the amazing work they have done as well uh, dear listeners um, have a healthy day enjoy your day as well enjoy your weekend as well until next time Medical Presence.